hello and welcome to Conversations with Eddie Lyons. My name is Jared Bone and I'm here with Pastor Eddie Lyons. Pastor, how are you? I'm great, Jared. Guys, today we're talking about the really fun subject that everybody loves to talk about with their neighbors, friends, and family, money, and specifically giving. Uh, Pastor, tell us what you know about money. What comes to mind when you think about money and specifically giving and using it uh, for something good and not something just your preferences? Well, first of all, if you read through the Bible, you're going to see that money is incredibly powerful in our life. I mean, it is so powerful. It reminds me of a story of my friend who was uh, in the Philippines, and he was out snorkeling. So he got on a bonka boat with his buddies, and they went out into the ocean, not very far, and he jumped in and does what, does what snorkels do. He put his head down, and he found himself just like lost in the beauty of the coral and the magnificent fish, and, and it, it was amazing, he said. And he says, I, I didn't even pay attention to the fact that I was drifting out to the open sea. Hmm. After a while, I looked up and realized I, am, I, don't, even see the, I don't even see the boat. I can't see any of my friends. I am out here in the middle of the ocean. I can't fight this current or even find my way back to shore. And so he began to panic. He realized, I'm going to die. About that time, uh, coincidentally, or I would prefer to say providentially, sure. another Banca fishing boat came over the, uh, the, the water, he could see him in the distance, and he began to scream and splash and yell, and thankfully they, they saw him, and they went over to him, and they rescued him. But I, as he was telling me the story, I'm like, oh my goodness, like, you could have died. Thank God you're here. All because of an invisible current that carried you out to sea while you were looking at the beauty underneath the ocean. And that's the power of money. Uh, money is not a neutral element in our lives. Um, it is the unseen current of our lives. Uh, it's not neutral. Either, it will either have a positive or a negative effect on you. Um, money can be a tool to lead you to God, or you can make it into an idol that will lead you away from God. Hmm. How can it be a tool? Because I think everybody understands that drift. I think that's a, a really good story when it comes to money, because you can have your eyes on something, you know, you have your eyes down on something and you think, I'm not going anywhere. But all of a sudden, your priorities have shifted. Um, you, you know, everybody thinks I, we, I work with young adults a lot and everybody thinks I make $150 a week. I work, you know, 15 hours or whatever. Um, so I don't have any money. So what does it matter if I give God 10% of $150? What, what is that? And everything's relative. How much money is a lot of money? But then they think when I get my, my first real job and I'm making X amount salary, then I'll have enough extra money to, um, to give to God or to do something significant with it. But then the drift starts to happen, and you, you make X amount, so you live up to X amount, and not 90%, not a tithe, not uh, living generous, and the drift starts to happen, where maybe you end up 10 years down the road. Your salary has grown several times since then, and you go, I'm not doing anything significant with my money. It's leading me away from God. I think everybody understands how that can happen. Mm -hmm. um, how can money lead you towards God, or what are, what are some things that the Bible says that we should be doing with our money that could, that could help us? Well, I think, for instance, that's why uh, one of the greatest spiritual disciplines in anybody's life is the discipline of giving. Mm. That is a regular, systematic plan to give. And you mentioned the tithe. 
I mean, the tithe begins all the way back at Abraham. He comes to worship God. And by the way, you read through the Bible, people worship God. Part of that act of worship included giving a gift. This idea that I'm going to worship God, but my money is mine, and that's never going to come into the equation, that is a lie. That's not true. Yeah. I mean, the money is so important. Uh, um, money actually can, can strengthen a relationship. It can enrich a relationship. Okay, for instance, I remember one time when I was traveling, I was a missionary. I had like four kids at home. I'm, I'm clear across the country and um, trying to make ends meet. Man, it was tough. Uh, trying to raise support to be able to go on mission. And I remember that I was wearing shoes that had holes in the bottom. And that was okay as long as it was a nice, warm, dry day. But if there was any snow or rain or anything, I knew my socks were going to be soaked. And I just had to to endure Mm. because there were just too many other things in my life that had a greater priority. I mean, I had to take care of the kids and all the expenses of the family. And I thought, you know what? This is no big deal. I can handle this. And the only thing I I always had to remember, never to cross my legs. Because if I crossed my legs, people would be able to see the holes in my shoe. And I was so embarrassed. Yeah, just change the way you sit. I I, I kept flat-footed. But I was in in the home of a friend um, who was a pastor, and I was going to be in their church. And I remember, you know, we were down in the den and talking, and, you know, then I caught myself a couple times, then I crossed my legs, and I'm like, oh my goodness, hope he didn't notice that I have these gaping holes in the bottom of yeah. my soles, and and so I, I would put my feet back down, and, you know, I thought, hey, I, I think I did it, uh, and then um, as I was leaving that day, uh, I had put my luggage in the car, and I came back up, and to say the final goodbye, and this friend of mine, he reaches in his pocket, pulls out a $100 bill, Hmm. and he hands it to me, and he says, Hey, Eddie, hey, I just noticed you could use a new pair of shoes, and I want to buy them for you. And, you know, I'll never forget that moment. He didn't shame me or ridicule me or make me feel like I was a terrible provider and, you know, I was so lame. He loved me, and that money did more than buy me a pair of shoes. It drew me in the friendship to appreciate his quiet generosity toward me. And, and I think that that's why when we, when we give to God on a regular basis in a disciplined way, what we don't realize is that we are actually taking money God gave us to begin with, and we're turning it back over and giving it back to him and and, and we're, we're saying, you know, I, I just want to make sure this stays in its place. Yeah. God, you are what's important to me. Yeah. What does, uh, we were kind of talking about this before we started. What is, does Jesus have teachings on money? I know he had interactions with some people, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, like, what does Jesus specifically say about money um, in relation to, like, okay. how we should operate? Like, how should, it, how should our love for Jesus change our relationship with money? Well, Jesus specifically said in Matthew 6, he said, don't lay up treasures for yourself uh, on earth. I mean, because it doesn't last. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So how do you take like something so mundane as money, currency, and let it have eternal value? That's what he was saying you could do. Yeah, You could actually lay up treasures in heaven. Why? Because when you invest in people in relationships, when you honor God and support the ministry of the church, 
all of a sudden money that is so one-dimensional becomes so much more than that. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, I I want you to do that. Um, Jesus also says in, this is all in Matthew 6, 19 to 24, he says, the the lamp of the body is the eye. Uh, If therefore your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Okay, so money actually will change your perspective on life and your understanding of how the world really is. And this idea of being generous, which is something you have to learn to develop, um, it changes your perspective on everything. So you don't want to have your you don't want to have the light go out in your eye, that which, which is a, a, a Jewish um, parable. D- parable, or, yeah, picture, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah. That's what that is. So, and then he ends with, "You can't serve two masters." You're either going to serve God or money, but you can't serve them both. Which is so interesting because I think, as, as especially American Christians or Western Christians, we, we it's accessible to have both. Yeah, it's it's not frowned upon to have both to be successful, to have money, but also to have Jesus. And why can't I have have both? Is kind of a why am I not able to? But when one is your master and one is not, one will take precedence over another, and that's where the difference starts to come in. He doesn't say don't have any money. He says one is your master and one is not, and I think that's the biggest difference in that verse. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is saying, because you can be really poor and not be generous. Yeah. You can be very wealthy and have lots of money, that's not a bad thing, and be generous. So it all comes down to your heart. Where's your heart? And I think the best, most practical way to develop a spirit and a heart of generosity is I love tithing. You know, God gives me, and I, I return the first portion to him. And I, I say to him, God, I, I want to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my son James, um, he's a great guy. Uh, and I always have to mention this so that people would kind of understand. He, he has Down syndrome, so he is this awesome guy who lives in a world that is different than everybody else in a lot of ways. Um, but we go to the Dollar General every day if he gets his way, and he buys the same thing. He buys pop, and he buys a little short can of Pringles. All okay. Right. He never wants the big can, right? Well, he does want the big can. Oh, okay. But he knows that I won't give him the big can, because whatever we buy, we eat. Oh, that's He weird. eats. Okay, okay. So, so the short can is where he lives. We, okay. Portion control is where it's at. Okay. Okay. So he buys the 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 little can, and and as we leave, he started saying, "Dad, do you want some?" And I said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm on a diet because I'm perpetually on a diet." I says, I'll, "I just want two chips." He says, "Okay, share." So now, I buy him the Pringles, or he buys his own Pringles. We get in the car. He opens it up. He says, "Dad, remember share?" And he hands me two chips. It is the most delicious chips of my life. Every day, okay, and I, I just—that's kind of a reminder to me that God buys us; he, he takes care of us, and He says, "I just want you to return to me just a little bit, so that we both remember this is not about stuff; it's about our relationship. I'm committed to you, and you respond with gratefulness to me. It, that's that's a beautiful thing." Yeah. Uh, such a good picture of God owns everything and he uh-huh. gives us what we need and he asks for such a small piece of it back 
And it's that, that little piece back starts to change our heart around generosity. And I think about when, you know, everybody has a story of the first time they gave or the first time they started to give. And it was like, I don't know if there's, if there's enough space in the budget. I don't know if I can give away a dollar. I don't know if I can give away 10%. When, you know, if you're not giving anything to look at 10% and go, yeah, that's a, that's a good size line item on the budget. I don't know if there's space, but when you think about what God has and what he has access to, and you go 10%, how could I, how could I keep that from the one who gave me everything? So what else does the Bible have to say about generosity or what, what are some of the things that have affected you um, when you think about giving? Okay, well, there are three stories that come to my mind. The, the first one is Jesus interacts with a guy named Zacchaeus. He's, you know, the short little guy that climbed, climbed the tree because he wanted to see him. Okay, yeah, we won't we, sing it. We, yeah, well, we could, though, but we won't. Um, anyway, Zacchaeus is a very wealthy man because he's a tax collector. Mm-hmm. He had a single focus in life. It was money. Money controlled him. Yeah. Jesus comes to his house. We don't know what happened in that conversation, but we do know he was absolutely transformed. And as a result of this new encounter and now relationship with God through Jesus, he starts paying people back that he cheated, mm-hmm. and he gives a large portion of his money to the poor. And he was rich in money at the beginning of the story, but he was all alone. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, can you imagine how his world changed? He's like paying people back. He's like, he's taking the big bucks out of the bank and giving them to the poor. And his whole standing in that community was transformed from the guy who's taken from you to the guy who's like giving to you. Amazing. Second person I think of is Jesus is in the temple one day. Uh, people that were giving and Jesus corrects, I mean, he, he says, don't be given so that people can see. Yeah. And, and he says, you know, all of you that have been given, a lot of you wealthy people that made, you know, the beautiful parade up to the front to throw in your offering. Um, he says, as I watch today, this widow, who really, as far as value is concerned, gave nothing. She gave the most. Hmm. Because she gave everything she had. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So what does that prove? Does that, does that show that in Jesus' economy, it's, it's heart over amount? What does, that, what does that prove? I don't know. I think, I think it does prove that. And I, you know what? Um, the richer you are, the harder it is for you to reach that level of generosity. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting everybody should give everything away unless God tells you. Sure. And if he does tell you, you shouldn't. You know, I, I remember what, one time in the Philippines we were trying to build a building for this church that we had uh, in, in Manila, and we were in this rented apartment, and it, it would flood every time it rained. Oh, it was awful. Uh, I would tell the, 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 the deacons, hey, listen, will you please watch? And when the water gets higher and higher, when it, when it reaches the electrical uh, outlet, we got to shut the power off. That's your okay. standard. Okay. Yeah, so that yeah. was our standard. So, um, th- this was like normal. Rainy yeah, season yeah, came. Just, it happened. Just what happened. It yeah. happened. Everybody, bring your your boat and your yeah. and, and, and rain boots. Yeah, really. Yeah. And people were so shocked when they would come up to the church and realize, oh my, they're standing water even inside the church, not just outside. Yeah, hand them a hymnal and a life jacket. <laughs> like, yeah. They're, they're, right. Yeah. And the funny thing is, we didn't have any running water. 
The water you did, but yeah, only <laughs> when it rained. Not by design, <laughs> the water we used to clean the church was delivered by the uh, firemen who would fill up the baptistry every week. Wow! And that was our source of water. It was not a beautiful place, but God was doing some great stuff there. Mm-hmm. And we began to pray that we could have a, a building. And we 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 started giving. I led led, and I said, "Listen, I'm going to challenge everybody here to give the largest amount of money, single offering they've ever given in your life, the most." And then we're going to give every month, and we're going to have to keep doing this. Did we get enough money for the building? Well, I have to lead the way. I talked to my wife. We decided we were going to give money away. She had some money that had been given to her after her father died as part of like her inheritance. And um, she agreed, and we both agreed. We were going to give even our savings away. Well, over, over three years, we, we depleted everything we had. I mean, really, we were broke. And we, we started building the building. It was very exciting, okay? So that was happening. Uh, and then we went back to the States for a furlough. And I remember, you know, scraping an, up enough money to pay for the tickets to get back to the States to begin to raise some more money so that we could go back. And as I went around, I would meet my classmates who would say to me, Hey, how you doing, Eddie? I'm good. Hey, you know, look at our house. It's, we're, we're almost, we're, we're going to have this house paid off in another seven years. Wow, that's great. And I'm thinking, I don't got nothing. Uh, are you saving for your retirement? You know, like, we're really working on saving for our retirement. And I'm thinking, I don't even want to tell you. <laughs> I don't have any money. Yeah. Nothing. And I remember I got, I got to a place where I was, like, so depressed about that. And I, I, said, I said in a prayer one day, God, am I like this fool? I mean, I, I followed you to give away what we had. And now I'm like this foolish husband and father who has nothing for my family. I just need to see that you're still there. Okay, no joke. Within a week, I went to the mailbox. I get this letter from this attorney in California. And he says, "Um, I am writing because uh, this man, he named the man's name, passed away, and you have been listed in the will. Now, I remember, I don't remember meeting this man and his wife, but he remembers me, and we corresponded for years, and he would send me $50 every quarter, you know, it was, yeah, okay. At the end of the letter, it said, um, you, this is the first part of a payment that you probably will be receiving up to $20,000. And I remember walking away from the mailbox thinking, okay, God, you told me to give it. We gave it. You're still here, aren't you? Mm -hmm. You got us. Now, I don't say that story to tell everybody that God's going to drop 20,000 in your lap. Yeah. There's, it's so personalized, the plan. But the truth is, God blesses the generous. Yeah. And he takes care of them. Yeah. So, that's yeah. it. Yeah, you never know what that blessing is going to come back in or, or how that's going to look. But he does say that he will bless the generous to, yes. to, to empty the storehouses and he will fill them back up. And maybe it's just more to give. I don't know. Um, any other thoughts on generosity and, and giving? Uh, you know, there's one guy that does need a mention. Jesus was going to feed 5,000 men plus women and children one day. And this little boy said, overhears it. 
and he offers his five loaves and two fishes, and like that's a joke for five thousand people, right? Um, I mean, really, there was more like ten, fifteen thousand people there, yeah. and uh, Jesus, oh, good, thanks. So, so he he gave, and Jesus fed the multitude with this little boy's lunch. Yeah. So never think of your gift as being too small to make a difference. Yeah. And be willing to give it all if he tells you. Sure. Because I think that hits the person who maybe doesn't give or, or, or their gift seems so small in relation to the need. And you go, man, there's so much that needs to be done. I don't know if my tiny amount of tithe or my gift to a missionary is going to make a difference. But in God's economy, it, it will. It will. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor. We hope this uh, episode was helpful for you. Like and subscribe. We'll see you next time.